If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. All right, interesting announcement coming down here shortly from the health minister here on TELUS Health. If people have used TELUS Health in B.C., I've used it. What's happening here? Yeah, so Adrian Dix having a news conference this morning announcing what's happened after the Medical Services Commission has reviewed their operations. There were complaints that there was extra billing, that you'd pay this significant fee, almost $5,000 in some cases, to join this thing where your family practitioner would be, and they would provide uh, services covered by the medical services plan, Yeah, which the argument was extra billing because you're paying this fee to access something that's supposed to be free to you. But on top of that, other lifestyle things would be part of this called the Life Plus program. So right. nutritional advice, all sorts of other things that go beyond MSP, cosmetics, that type of thing. So my understanding is Dixon announced the Medical Services Commission has said you can't do that anymore. You cannot oh. extra bill, uh, which is no surprise. That's against the, that's been against the law for some time, and that's why the yeah. complaints were made. Suddenly, family practitioners were moving to this center and telling their patients that had been their patients for so long. Um, you're going to have to pay this $4,600, $5,000 annual fee that would drop, I think, in some cases, would, be, would drop down to 3600 for subsequent years. And then more if you wanted to add your family onto this. So pretty major announcement. But TELUS is still going to be allowed to operate okay. as, as uh, health centers. It's just not allowed to charge for MSP-covered services. Yeah, well, you know what? A lot of people are using TELUS Health because mm-hmm. it's been so difficult to get into a doctor's office or even a walk-in clinic. We've seen some walk-in clinics shut down. They've restricted yep. their hours. I've used it because the walk-in, I don't have a family doctor, mm-hmm. and if I have to go to a, see a doctor, I go to a walk-in clinic. I couldn't get into a walk-in clinic. No, so I, I started I, using I, TELUS Health to get, like, a, you know, uh, renew yeah, a prescription. But as long as you're not paying for well, it. They, well, they didn't charge extra. No, exactly. And that's, that's, and that's still fine. allowed. That's still yeah. allowed. My understanding is that's still allowed. Uh, TELUS is not going to be driven out of business here. Yeah. Uh, they're still going to be part of the healthcare system. I'll just not be able to charge people $5,000 to join, uh, to get uh, medical uh, MSP covered services on top of extra things. Right. This is what they call, as you mentioned, their Life Plus program. Mm-hmm. This is what TELUS calls it. And they charge a lot for that program to get all this, this extra stuff. Now, uh, I, I talked to the vice president of TELUS Health about this on an earlier show. And she insisted, look, we're not breaking any rules here. Here's what she told me. Sonia Lockyer, Vice President, Tell Us Health. Have a listen. So this program uh, has been reviewed on two separate occasions by the medical services. Yeah. And each time it comes back crystal clean. If, if something is changed, then something is changed in how the review process is, is being conducted or the rules of engagement, for example. But I can tell you that when we look at how we set up this program, how it was set up historically, it's been very clear. Like, we set up the program to charge for medically uninsured services, not medically insured services. Okay, yeah. So she says they're charging for all the extra stuff that's Mm -hmm. not insured under Medicare. Which is fine. So why are they shutting it down then? They're shutting down. Again, they're not shutting it down. 
They're just saying you can't charge. You can't for, charge you for can't it. Charge for medically <laughs> insured services. You yeah, can but, she, for, but she denies that they were in the first. Well, place. medical services commission is making it clear today that they can't do it. No, I guess yeah. the argument is if you're paying five thousand yeah. dollars to join and to get medically to get uh, services covered by your family doctor, the it, again you can get free you know, nutritional advice and those types of things, which are not part of MSP. Yeah. So if the argument is, well, the $5,000 covers more than just non-MSP, it's covering MSP, that can't be, uh, I think the, uh, do that anymore. the argument that I've heard from some people is like, you, okay, you may pay up this big fee to get all this extra stuff, like nutritional advice, not covered under Medicare. But then once you're in the system, you do end up sort of getting to the front of the line to get a you know, an MRI or something if they find something wrong with you in a checkup. This is this is the argument that I've heard against it. Yeah, well, right? I mean, it, that's if that's a form of queue jumping, then again, yeah, that's, it's that's like, also against the law. So. Right, like people say, this is like a two tiered medicine. So I assume I've seen all the details. I assume you know, if you still want to pay five thousand dollars, but you, that doesn't mean that your family doctor can ding you for that type of money and still. Um, Required to pay that to get medically MSP covered services. Okay, so that announcement. When is that coming down from? Ten forty-five. Ten forty-five from Adrian Dix. Okay, you heard it here first. Here, Keith Baldry breaking the breaking some news here. All right, let's talk about uh, this other big decision here. Surrey policing. Oh my God, this is this is official now. This is happening Friday morning. Friday, Friday. We don't we don't have the time. I assume okay. it's a morning announcement. It's probably going to play out on your news on your show here. I would think. Yeah. I suspect so. So this is the announcement from Attorney uh, Solicitor General Mike Farnworth, high noon for S- Surrey Policing. So he's going to z- decide whether the Surrey Police Service continues or they go back to the RCMP, right, finally. Basically, yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be one or the other. We don't know which way he's going to go yet. Um, people go back and forth on this. I mean, there's there's mounting arguments about that the RCMP model is broken, uh, that Nova Scotia shooting inquiry was very damning in its assessment of the RCMP as a culture. You've got numerous problems associated, a chronic vacancy problem with a- attracting recruits and staffing positions. On the other hand, you do have the elected council of the second largest city in BC wants to go a different route, wants, they want to, the wants RCMP. to go with the RCMP. Right. So it's a real difficult... I've talked to... You know, I talked to Farnworth, he hasn't told me which way he's going to go, but he says this is the most difficult and complex decision that's ever come across his desk. There's lots of arguments on either side of this, and you can't, you know, you can't minimize the fact that an elected council wants to go a certain direction, but it's also a historic uh, decision if they go the other way to, to continue the transition to Surrey Police Services when you've got a number of proponents saying you've got to go to more regional policing, municipal policing, and getting away from the RCMP model. So it's a real sticky horns of a dilemma for Mike Farmer. Well, if I was a betting man, and I am a betting man, I would put a bet down on Surrey Police Service. I think that's what he's going to go with. Yeah, I agree. If you had to bet, I would bet on that. that I just don't see... I don't think you can get a betting line on this in the bookies, but that's the way I think it's going to go. Yeah, the problems associated with the RCMP have just been mounting. And, yeah. and again, every time I, Mike Farmer talks publicly about this, it, it does, he does point out the problems associated with the RCMP. He um, seems to have been more critical of the RCMP than the other way around over time. Has not been critical yeah. of Surrey Police Services. That's what I mean. No, there's not a That's lot what to I mean. Think. Like, he seems to have been more critical on the, you know, on well, the RCMP. Well, he's pointed out some of the problems with the RCMP. There is a vacancy problem. You know, there's a, a chronic shortage of RCMP officers. And he's as pointed out, he doesn't want to sign off on a model that takes RCMP to, um, resources from other jurisdictions and puts them into Surrey to fill the quota there. Yeah. 
And I don't know if that's a tip-off or not, but in any event, it's it all is. coming down, I think, Friday morning. <laughs> I think it's a tip-off. That's what, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's going to go the other way. Let's have a listen to Dwayne McDonald here, Deputy Commissioner of the RCMP, speaking to Simi Sarah this morning, and he talks here about this issue of staffing. Are the RCMP sort of short-staffed here? Have a listen to what he has to say. The way the current system works, uh, it's all done under the guidance of the Surrey Policing Trilateral Committee, which is the federal, provincial, and municipal governments. And the staffing levels are dictated uh, by that body. So each agency is currently providing what it's required to provide in order to meet the staffing levels that the city pays for. Currently, Surrey is staffed up to its full complement, and that includes Surrey RCMP as well as SPS. So Surrey isn't uh, understaffed at all right now. Okay, so he's saying they're not understaffed, kind of defending the RCMP there. Well, when you include SPS with the RCMP, that yeah. makes that hits the number. So if you take SPS out of there, then they're understaffed, about okay. more than 200. If Farnworth on Friday decides to go with the Surrey Police Service and says no to the RCMP, are Surrey taxpayers going to get whacked in the wallet here with big tax hikes because we're told this new police force is more expensive? Well, there's conflicting information that comes out about this. Even the Surrey City Council seems to have different information. Brenda Locke's figure is different than some other councillors' figures. So there's obviously tax implications one way or another. Uh, but uh, one, of the, one of the issues Farnworth was wrestling with is why he issued, uh, told all parties to come back with reports. There was conflicting information on staff levels, on costs associated with either model, with tax implications with either model. No one seemed to have the same numbers. And hopefully we get some reconciliation of that on Friday. Friday. I'm told there's going to be a significant comprehensive report that will come with us to explain one way or another what the rationale for going this one of these routes. Okay, that's going to be a big announcement on Friday. Real quickly, let's listen to B.C. Attorney General Nikki Sharma yesterday in the B.C. legislature. Again, on the issue we've been talking about, violent repeat offenders who keep getting released by judges, released by the courts. Here she is saying that, look, they're trying to keep these, these violent offenders locked up. Have a listen. We issued a directive to the BC Prime Prosecution Service that resulted in the strictest bail policy in all of Canada. Um, and the preliminary results are showing that in majority of those cases, detentions are, are being denied. That's why, uh, Mr. Speaker, we as a government have been seeking federal reform to the criminal code, which is the law of the land. Okay, they keep going back to that talking point now that BC has the strictest bail in Canada. Doesn't seem to be well, doesn't seem to be working. Well, if we, if we've got the strictest bail system, I kind of hate to see what some of the other provinces yeah. have because uh, the stats put out this week show in the seven week reporting period, uh, less than fifty percent of the requests of, from the Crown prosecutors for detention of violent repeat offenders were denied by judges. Yeah, um, this is the strictest system in Canada. Yeah, so, <laughs> and again, this follows a, a couple of critical things. One is Supreme Court ruling back in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um, that really uh, emphasized the need, the, the people's right to bail under Section 11 of the Charter. Yeah. Uh, so that was a court ruling that judges have to follow court rulings. Then you have the, the Criminal Code Amendments in Bill C-75 uh, in 2019 that enshrined the principle of restraint when it came to detentions. Yeah. So judges are following both those two things. So Nikki Sharma and other attorney generals and the premiers are looking for Ottawa to further amend the criminal code right. to make to perhaps go as far as what's called enshrine a, a reverse onus. So violent but, offenders would have to show cause why they should be released right. rather than yep. the Crown being shown, uh, have to show cause that they should be confined. At Evernorth Health Services... 
We believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, it's Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. James in Abbotsford. Hi, James. Go ahead. Good day. Hey, how about we elect our judges like they do in the States, then they're more accountable to the people that want to get reelected. What do you think of that idea? I mean, it keeps coming up, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, politicizing the judiciary, there's a lot of problems associated with that in the states. You know, just look at what happened in Wisconsin, where they elected a liberal judge to the state Supreme Court, yeah. which was going to is going to flip the political narrative there in terms of who controls such things as uh, setting the. We got enough the, politicians. You want the judges to judges, be politicians yeah, too? I don't, I don't know. No, so it's like electing sheriffs down down south. Yeah. I think it's fraught with peril. Yeah, let's go to Craig in Surrey. Hey, Craig. For taking my call. Yeah, I don't understand. Mike Farnsworth says the RCMP can't get RCMP from anywhere else in the province. And yet the Surrey RCMP are allowed to take RCMP from the Surrey RCMP, as well as any member anywhere in Canada. Why is the double standard? I don't get why he's handcuffing the RCMP, but the Surrey police can do whatever they want. Well, because there's a transition uh, process in place and has been for a while, which is why you're seeing that migration from RCMP over to Surrey Police Services. So that's, uh, but it, what Farmworth doesn't want to see is draining Coquitlam or Richmond RCMP to satisfy the needs of Surrey. Well, the other thing is both sides of this debate are accusing each other of raiding other police forces, oh, yeah. right? So, I mean, you know, people who want to keep the RCMP will say, oh, this Surrey police force, they're stealing police officers from other jurisdictions. And the Surrey Police Service supporters will say the same thing about the RCMP. They're stealing officers, the, too. So. The level of rhetoric that's yeah. really emerged in this thing on both sides is, is quite striking. I mean, both yeah. sides are accusing each other of basically being dishonest, whether it comes to statements or, or figures when it comes to taxes or deployment. Right, and they both accuse each other, well, if, if you're the police police force in charge, the city will be less safe. Yeah. No, 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 it'll be less safe if you're <laughs> in charge. So it's really been, it's really been a, a, a brutal debate that's gone on for a long time, and I guess it'll be over on Friday, it appears. Well, I don't know if it'll be over. <laughs> I mean, Brenda Locke has yeah. threatened lawsuits. Oh, okay. Remember? And it's, again, this isn't like flipping a switch. Right. No matter what, which way it goes here, it's still going to take some time to transition one way or another. Yeah, sure, sure. John in Abbotsford. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hi, Mike. Love your show. I've always maintained that we don't need more, more police officers. They're not the issue. The issue has always been the judges. If they did their mm-hmm. job, the police would be you know, adequate and be fine. And I don't think we need to elect the judges, but we need to make them accountable. And we got to stop having our legal system just copy everything they do in the States. We should make our own laws that are good for Canada. Thanks, okay, well, the, ju- the judges would say they are following the rules, right? They're following court yeah. precedents. They're following the law that's been laid down by the federal government exactly. in the criminal that, code. That's what judges will tell you. It's interesting. The letter Nikki Sharma sent to the federal justice minister uh, has a distinct line in there that says, looking for legislation that would empower and require judges require. Uh, to make detention orders uh, uh, for repeat violent offenders. Empower and require. Mm. So that's the language the provinces are looking for. Wow. Linda in Richmond. Hi, Linda. Go ahead. Good morning. I'm, I'm phoning about uh, Telus Health. I'm yeah. fortunate enough to belong to them. 
Um, but I've got lots of friends who are trying to find a doctor and they can't get into one. Um, fortunately, I can. There's not enough doctors and the other sort of private health care systems um, haven't got, aren't open because they can't get enough doctors. So that's a lot of the problem. Um, I'm not sure how you solve it, but I'm fortunate enough that I actually can use it. And I'm fortunate enough that I can afford it. I feel okay, so you, so you have paid, you have paid for the TELUS Health Life Plus program. Is that correct, Linda? Well, I don't know if it's called Life Plus, but I've belonged to TELUS since before when they were called Copeman way back, and they only had three yeah. doctors. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank yeah, you for the call. Copeland Clinic. Yeah. And again, the, and if you brought in the, I think it's called the Medicare Protection Act, which yeah, basically so. says you can't extra bill for services covered under the medical services plan. It won a long 14-year battle with Dr. Brian Day, that where the Supreme Court of Canada said, well, you know, Court of Appeals decided in, in, in BC we're not going to revisit it. Keith, thanks for coming in today. Talk to you on uh, Friday.